much like sleep with the body in repair as we're horizontal with our eyes closed, pausing from eating puts our bodies into a very important state of repair, but we just didn't know it. Hello, and welcome to Moving Through Menopause. I'm so excited to have Laurie Lewis. Laurie's joining us from Portland, Oregon in the good old United States. And uh, Laurie is a certified health coach and she specializes in intermittent fasting. And this is something I am kind of interested to know more about. So hello, Laurie. Thank you so much for coming along this afternoon. It's so great to be with you this morning for me. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> Thank you. So you know, I am now in the menopausal time of my life. And that we should say that, you know, it is can be the time of your life. This is something that a lot of women approaching menopause and, uh, and when it finally does come along, find that we start to struggle a little bit with weight gain. And even for people who for whom this was never an issue before. That's right. Yeah, I'm 58. And oh. I went into menopause a bit early at 49. And oh. um, I first started feeling the signs of perimenopause when I was 44. Mm -hmm. And suddenly when I turned, when I made that shift into that moment that you're in menopause and postmenopausal, I suddenly gained 50 pounds that came on strong <laughs> and just held on tightly that, that excess fat. And um, so, but along with it came really head to toe aches and pains and mm -hmm. brain fog and memory loss. And if you go through the list of what a woman can experience in perimenopause and menopause. I think I check off most of them. <laughs> I'm like, check, 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 check. Yeah, got it all. And, you know, I have a problem with the health professionals who say that if you have a hard perimenopause and menopause, it's because you haven't been taking care of yourself. I'm like, mm. wait, I am a, people said to me, wait, how could you gain 50 pounds? You're the healthiest eater we know and running and, you know, taking really good care of myself for, I stopped eating sugar in my late twenties. And so I beg, I, I think there are probably a lot of women out there who are like, yes, I'm taking great care of myself and I'm still suffering. <laughs> so yeah, solidarity. Yeah. I, you know, and, and I definitely feel very much like you that I was and have for pretty much the whole of my life taken great care of myself uh, for various reasons and and yet was hit similarly by this onslaught and like you I say I could check pretty much every box that there was uh, of those symptoms and mine started when I was 45 so um, yeah very similar in that regard the the thing for me was around sleep. Sleep was just elusive, so elusive, and mood disruption, and you know the aches and pains that you mention. Uh, I was—I'm a physiotherapist, and uh, if I hadn't been a physiotherapist, I would have thought there was something seriously wrong with me, you know. Because I did think something was seriously wrong with me. It took my brother, Philippa. I was probably forty-six or forty-seven, and my brother said. Laurie, isn't depression 
part of menopause. And I was like, it is. I had been felt and experienced depression a day in my life. But then there was this time when I mm-hmm. kept the covers over my head and I couldn't get out of bed. And I'm like, I didn't know that. So we are yeah. sent to a biology class for older women. And we kind of have to talk about menopause like it's hush hush. And we don't connect the dots in terms of this is happening and this is happening and this is happening. And it's all part of perimenopause and menopause. We just feel weird and not in our bodies and disoriented and how can I feel like so not my like myself and um, so I love that you have this podcast of moving through menopause and I love the opportunity to talk about how eating in an eating window turned everything around for me and now I get to coach so many people around the world and how to be successful with that it's a joy Yeah, yeah. Well, it certainly is. You know, I've helped people my whole career and I absolutely love it to this day. Mm. So uh, what you mentioned then alluded to was the fact that uh, we're talking about intermittent fasting today. And this is something that I am interested in uh, for myself. It's something that, you know, in the UK, as as we said earlier, we've got uh, Dr. Mosley, who's written his books, uh, of the what's it eight to two or five, the five oh, two and the eight hundred something something. Calories, and, um, yeah. But his the the debut was this BBC documentary called Eat Fast and Live Longer. Fast eat and live longer. I can't remember which order yeah, those yeah. words come in, but it's yeah. so inspiring. I think, and I think that set off the movement for people to consider that you could live your life and delay eating and feel the health benefits and the long-term benefits and longevity and having, you know, throughout that hour long documentary, he had his, he tested out all sorts of fasting regimens and had his health markers tested. I think he was pre-diabetic and got a shock. And um, that I, I love recommending for people to watch that because it really is a great uh, learning foundation. And I think it sparked this movement for people to consider that it actually doesn't serve us to eat all the time, that our body, much like sleep, we wouldn't forget. Well, lots of people are sleep deprived, but for the Mm -hmm. most part, we couldn't survive if we didn't sleep and we need more sleep for sure. But um, much like sleep with the body in repair, as we're horizontal with our eyes closed, um, pausing from eating puts our bodies into a very important state of repair, but we just didn't know it. So I I love that I have the opportunity to inspire people to learn how to take that pause and eat all the delicious, I always say, eat the foods you love and the foods that love you back in your eating window. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and there, there is a lot to be said for really getting to know how your body reacts to certain things. And and it can be that for a long time, you sort of got away with eating things, but certainly with aging, the, the slowing down of the digestive system, the, uh, the reducing uh, levels of stomach acid, say for instance, and things that we used to would be relatively innocuous, uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, and I say this all the time, I say, oh gosh, yeah, I love, 
will say, what, what is it? I love pears. Pears don't love me. And it's an absolute and utter fact. That's you know? so funny. Pears. Who'd have thought, right? So for me, you know, cashews and different, there are oh. different things that people say, well, what do you eat? I'll eat just like you. I'm like, you don't have to eat like I do. I have this list of things that make me not feel well, that don't agree with my system. You, mm. sh you should, you need to figure that out for yourself. But the thing is, is that when we're eating all the time, there's too much fog and noise. And so one of the amazing benefits about pausing from eating and eating later in an eating window of your choice, your design, whether it's two hours or 10 hours, that because of that quiet and that healing repair that happens in the fasting hours, we then have a heightened discernment to start to notice which foods actually make us not feel well. Mm -hmm. And because fasting makes us feel so well, we lose any interest in ever feeling poorly. I mean, it just is like, <laughs> because fasting provides such a beautiful, even energy when we're bur burning our own, utilizing our own body fat for fuel. And then when we can learn because of that quiet, we can learn which foods make us feel great and which foods don't, we lose interest in the foods that make us not feel so, you know, you'll test it a little bit. And it's like, yeah, no, I shouldn't probably shouldn't test that out anymore. <laughs> that doesn't make me feel good. So, yeah, well, exactly. And the more I, I love to help people on that journey to really get in tune with the bodies. And that, that applies to uh, every aspect of our lives, really movement, the thoughts we think, uh, mm. the foods we eat, you know, the way in which we move, because it, it isn't always just about the fact that we move, but how we move, as particularly with the passage of time. So, you know, really getting in tune with your body and noticing what, what, what it likes and what it doesn't. And so you mentioned the window, and I do like to talk about it as restricted window of eating so that yeah. we we're limiting the the time in which we are consuming uh, our nutrition and yes nutrition food. and flavors right so oh, people yeah. will think well hint water or a little squeeze of lemon or whatever isn't really all my supplements aren't really food well mm -hmm. they are food flavors and sweetness and fruit flavors and nutrients in the supplements. And so intermittent fasting is kind of an umbrella term now that we use to describe someone who eats is conscious of eating in a pattern of time. So mm -hmm. then the more common pattern is technically called time restricted feeding or time restricted mm -hmm. eating, which is having a daily eating window. So those are just the terms. So you can take the 24 hours of a day and divide it in two parts, the fasting hours and the eating window. And for people to start, you really can start with just a 12, divide the day in two, 12 hours. And mm -hmm. I love sharing with people that ease of starting is all you have to do, step one, decide today what time you're closing your eating window. So what is your life? Look, when do you have dinner? When maybe you aren't even hungry for dinner and you're like, I just like to stop eating at four. Whatever, or I love breakfast and I'm gonna have my eating window from 7 a.m. to three. Whatever, whatever you choose, right? So whatever time today you decide to close your eating window, just drink plain water after that, sleep well, wake up tomorrow, drink plain water, have a black coffee or a black tea, with no, nothing added, mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and then 12 hours later, whatever time you closed your eating window, 12 hours later, open your eating window, have your creamy coffee or milky tea and have your breakfast. And you just clean fasted for 12 hours. You were asleep, hopefully for seven or eight of it. And that pattern, that digestive rest, that hormonal rebalancing and reset is really just what our body needs. And, and if people are like, well, I already do 12-12, that's not very hard, then inch up to a 14-hour fast and a 10-hour eating window. And you said when we first met that you like uh, trying to have an eating window of eight hours. That's amazing. Do you have in your eating window like two meals and a snack or how do you like to break that up? Bill? Yeah, I, I try to have two meals and sometimes I need a snack because yeah. I'm, I'm moving and, and working out. But trying not to sort of constantly graze in that window and to, to have distinct meal times within that uh, is, is I how I love it. It is amazing. One of the first things people notice when they start eating in an eating window is how well they feel. And that, you know, people think fasting is hard and scary and they mm -hmm. discover really quickly that it's not <laughs> and um, that hunger comes in a way like a little surge or some thoughts or a few physical sensations of a stomach rumbling, but it's not hard. Um, and then one of the first things people discover is, oh, in my eating window, I'm just putting like how'd that get in my mouth? I <laughs> did, did it pop that in there so mindlessly. And so the next step is people's discovery of how we are constantly eating and just mm -hmm. noticing that we're eating for stress and boredom and comfort and loneliness and mm -hmm. habit. <laughs> and habit and well it was there or someone offered it to me. Of course I have to put it in my mouth because mm -hmm. someone handed it to me. Really? <laughs> I suppose, uh, you know, it, it's hard to have this conversation without thinking about dieting or yes. talking about dieting. And, and I think we should have that conversation. But, I love it. Um, you know, I, I really like to think about food as, as nourishment and that it's, it's as much about what we eat as, as when we eat it, as how we eat it. Um, and so, you know, the idea that even though you're restricting, you know, you, you may be making a really fantastic choice by restricting the window of eating, that really we still need to consider uh, what, the, what the meals are comprised of during that time to, to really optimize the situation for, from a health point of view that, you know, uh, for a long time, my uh, my son, when he was one year old, had cancer, and we had a horrible journey with chemotherapy and surgery and horrible, horrible time. Wow. You know, and that totally changed my outlook because, you know, as these things invariably are, are going to do, mm. uh, you know, it was anything I could do to optimize this child's chance of health, a health moving forwards. And, you know, he's a healthy 21 year old, mm. I must tell you that. Uh, but, you know, he's uh, six foot two tall and uh, a keen cyclist and fit as a fiddle. And, um, you know, but from that moment forwards, whatever I could do to help that child was, was really at the forefront of my mind. And so at that point, it was all about the only thing I had control over was what, what goes into this child. And so Although, you know, I had always had an idea about health and food and, you know, nourishment, 
you know, it became my almost my obsession, I confess. So that of course, you know, you're an amazing mother. What if how inspiring would it be if we took that same commitment and dedication and devotion and passion and determination and love and applied that to our myself? Yeah. Right. So this is the time in our lives. To I think you kind of said it earlier about how everything catches everything catches up to us at this point. And there's this pivotal point, late 40s, early 50s as a woman, where it's like, this is when autoimmune diseases rise and the thyroid issues and yeah. and adrenal problems and serious gut situation and sleep <laughs> shifts. And it's like, wow, this is it's time to yeah. take as good care of myself as you took of your beautiful little son that's mm, so well, important well this is it you know food I talk about movement as medicine and and food can be just that also so that you know either we're eating ourselves to a, a place of health and wellness or you know contrarily we're, we're eating the stuff that the food industry is dishing up to us and this is really not doing us a whole world of good is it no, it's not. I um, I woke up one day in my late 20s and I had the thought about all the Diet Cokes I was drinking. And the thought was something around, I don't, I don't think this is very good for me. <laughs> and it was 30 years ago, so I can barely remember what, you know, people are like, did you go through a detoxing? Did you? I'm like, I can't remember. But um. I do remember two things about that time that I decided that all of the refined sugar and ultra processed food was not food. I put it in some category of not food. Not food. So yeah. then it's like, well, then what is food? Well, sweet potatoes and filet mignon and fish and broccoli, mm. right? Um, but if it came in a package, Mostly I put it in this category of not food and I would no more eat that than I would eat the sofa cushion. And then I also said to myself, I don't drink soda. That's what we call it here. Mm. I don't know what you call it in the UK. I don't drink no. soda. And, pop. I don't, yeah, pop. <laughs> I don't drink pop and I don't eat dessert. I just literally just decided I don't do this and I don't do that. So I, because of this, that I said it to myself, I just became a person. I don't drink soda and I don't eat dessert. Um, and so I think that was the very beginning of my shifting what I consume to serve mm. myself. Mm. But it's interesting, you know, when I hit perimenopause and menopause, I always say to people, I, I ate the exact same way in my 40s when I was lean and fit and slender and strong. I didn't change anything about how I ate when I gained 50 pounds. I ate the exact same way. And then I ate the exact same way when I lost 50 pounds. So what happened? Perimenopause happened and intermittent fasting happened. So I was able, because I started eating in an eating window and fasting clean to balance my hormones and the weight came off 51 pounds in 15 months. But within the first three days, I felt better. Like the fog lifted. I remember standing at my mother's kitchen counter feeling like, oh, like 
oh, I, I feel like myself again. It was so, you can't even describe what that feels like. But I was like, oh, I'm in my body again, or I feel like myself. And then with regards to the food choices, my approach is to not do everything at once. So what I've found is if a person is curious about the benefits and feeling better and short-term and long-term repair mm -hmm. that can happen with intermittent fasting, that you do that first. So like I said, just start with these 12 hours and eat when your eating window opens, eat normally. What And you're like, what's normally? Well, what's normally for you? What do you normally eat? <laughs> Don't go, right? So start, start having a fasting schedule. And I like to think of it, start having an eating window and eat normally and notice how much we graze and snack mm -hmm. and try, as you said, to put a meal, a mindful snack, a meal. And then this amazing thing happens. Because of fasting, the apostat, the appetite center in our brain, starts to repair and it manages the hunger and satiety hormones. And so because those hormones are balancing and in repair in the apostat, our body then starts informing us of how much food, how much nutrients and which nutrients it needs and wants today and how much quantity of food it needs and wants today. So people are like, what do I eat and how much do I eat? And I'm like, just wait, just fast, clean, eat in an eating window, do that every day, have it be gentle, be good to yourself, have it feel like nourishing and healing. And then I know it sounds impossible to imagine, you will start having thoughts, new thoughts about what to eat. And you'll eat something that you haven't had in a while that you used to love and it'll taste really chemically. And you'll be like, why did I ever like that? That tastes terrible. <laughs> and so the body naturally will steer us towards the foods that love us back. It, it becomes pronounced like what your your body wants and what it really doesn't want. So that, mm -hmm. that idea of appetite correction, uh, Dr. Bert Herring, who's here in the U.S., at the, he used to work at the National Institutes of Health, is a metabolism expert. And he wrote many books, but one is called AC, The Power of Appetite Correction. And I love this idea that healing from and while fasting and putting the body into this state of repair allows the body to communicate well with us. So that, yeah. so I'm aligned yeah. with stop mm. eating sugar and stop eating packaged food and eat real food and eat whole food and nourish ourselves well and take in the nutrients that our body requires and needs. And I also think that it's a gentle process. We kind of alluded to the fact that we, we don't want to to feed the diet culture. If we're giving people choices and, and giving them suggestions of things that they can uh, try for their own selves, because what we do know is everybody is different. And for some people to have a structure around this, something to follow, it can be helpful. And, and so to have a structure that is a, a, a window of eating in time, and it, you know, the 12 hours that we talked about in the first instance, is is a generous window in actual fact and and the idea that society is teaching us to eat non-stop essentially that food is so readily available at the checkout at the garage 
uh, and you know the big coffees that I'm I'm afraid have come. We're from sorry, America. we did it. <laughs> that to us, you know. I and I constantly say to my husband, he's fed up with hearing it. But when he buys a big, you know, or even a medium latte, we don't go with a big one. I say, you know what? That's a meal in a cup you've just bought there. It is in so insidious this the approach of the food industry that they they really want to hoodwink us into not knowing really not understanding anymore what is food yeah. and what is not so you know we're giving people some suggestions from my own experience of having having insights you know <laughs> that my insights tell me that if i eat constantly i'm i'm really going to be full of gas and uh, and actually you know i was getting this pain in my abdomen that was waking me in the night because of this accumulation of gas that was coming from things that were disagreeing with me. And by giving my gut a bit of a rest, because I have this history of irritable bowel, as I said before, by giving my gut a bit of a rest, I find that I actually now that is the exception rather than the rule, which is what it was before. You said so much good stuff there about diet culture. And first off, this is not a diet. This is a pattern. And mm. people discover, I, I love to say that this is not a diet. It's a quiet. So <laughs> I am a fan of the idea of intuitive eating. And some who subscribe to the idea of intuitive eating feel that intermittent fasting might be too much of a constraint. And that every time you have a thought of food, you should just eat it, eat. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> so if fasting feels like too much of a constraint, change your eating window. It's flexible, but hunger and thoughts of food come, they arise and they go and thoughts of food and a stomach growling are not an emergency. They're just an alert system. So what's really important to know is what's happening physiologically in the body when you're in this fasting state of repair of rest and knowing that you can eat later in your eating window and you get to say when it is and that you're feeling so much better and great mm. even energy when we're burning fat for fuel that because of fasting the body is able to more intuitively know what foods serve us best. So mm. fasting really is the foundation for whatever you care most about, making good food choices, sleeping well, your physical fitness performance and strength and stamina and cardiovascular health and work performance and productivity and alertness and communication and being a calm, peaceful, thoughtful person. Like if a meditation or prayer practice is important to you, that fasting makes it better. So whatever is important to you, you could consider that having a daily fasting regimen and eating in an eating window makes all those things that matter to you better. So I, I, um, I know that people say, well, it's not for everybody, but I think a 12-12 schedule is for everybody. Now that doesn't mean that if you're ravenous in the middle of the night, my goodness, and you are, your stomach is growling and you can't go back to sleep and you'd feel better if you had a bite, you can do as you please. It's not a problem. You know, it's, you're not bad or you didn't fall off the wagon. But for the most part, I think most human beings can eat in a 10, an eight to a 12 hour eating window, like no problem, <laughs> no struggle, stress or strain. 
And then people discover, especially as we age, that if you can eat in a shorter eating window, six or eight hours, or sometimes have one longer fast a week and have a big meal in two or three hours, that um, that's contributing to how great you feel. And so I really, I, I think having an eating window works for everybody. I kind of uh, try not to recommend anything that I haven't tried for myself. So, yeah. you know, and, and you and have. Yeah, yeah. This is something that I use for my own self. I think uh, important to consider the constituents of the meals that you're eating. And, and particularly for, for us in this menopausal time, protein is really important for us, this building block. Um, you know, losing muscle mass is, is all too easy yeah. at this time of our lives. So we do need the, the really great nourishment and, and protein to build the, the cell repair, you know, the muscle and the bone. We need all those building blocks. But the real food, fresh from the tree or from the field, as unfettered as possible. Yeah, unfettered. And uh, <laughs> so much of our food is denatured. You know, I don't mm -hmm. know if you've heard about Dr. Robert Lustig. His latest book is called Metabolical. And he really is accusing the food industry of criminal mm -hmm. behavior, much like we've addressed, you know, the, the tobacco industry. And it's yeah. this book, Metabolical, is I try not to demonize any food because if we demonize food and we say this food is bad, then that's direct correlation to, you know, diet mindset, which is, well, mm -hmm. if this food is bad, then I'm bad. And I'm, mm -hmm. if I'm bad if I have it and I'm trying to be good. And the whole diet mm -hmm. mentality is around yeah. being good. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Intermittent mm -hmm. fasting and the way I coach people and support people to have a sustainable practice is it's not about being good. It's about mm -hmm. feeling good. The barometer mm -hmm. is always making gentle, uh, determined choices of taking really good care of ourselves and then noticing what's making me feel really well and mm -hmm. what does not and noticing what does not and taking that out and putting in what makes me feel well. So it's not about being good. It's about feeling good is so important. Well, yeah. And this is, you know, and, and people have lost touch with what that feels like as well, to be honest. People don't so know. For somebody who was interested to give the, give this a try, you know, I, I do like to leave people with some suggestions of simple ways. I, I mean, I know we talked about 12 hours is a way to approach it in the first instance. I think, you know, the one thing that people are not always clear on like you said, uh, the clear fluids, if it's got milk in it, it's food. Uh, it's food. Isn't yeah. it? <laughs> it is. So the clean fast would be plain unflavored water of any sparkliness or temperature. So but plain unflavored, uh, not a squeeze of coconut or yeah, or uh, cucumber or lemon or anything. Mm -hmm. Or um, people will say, but apple cider vinegar, that's so healthy. It's like, yeah, great. It is super healthy. Have it in your eating window. <laughs> the answer to can I have fill in the blanks while fasting usually is no, have it in your eating window. So plain unflavored water, plain unflavored black coffee, plain unflavored bitter black or green tea, and then plain unflavored electrolytes like minerals, magnesium, sodium, and your prescriptions, your medications as prescribed. So that's the clean fast and everything else you save to your eating window. And um, oh, one thing you said that was so mm -hmm. that reminded me was 
that this nourishing food, the time of eating, and you said especially protein is important in terms of building, which is true. Another amazing thing is that when we're in a fasted state, the human growth hormone, HGH production, ramps up a thousand to 2000 mm percent. -hmm. And what that means is when we're in a fasted state, we're building muscle and bone density, which is incredible. So fasting helps aging women with our bone health. Mm -hmm. And um, the other thing that happens when we're in a fasted state is the clean out of old junky cells. So the mm -hmm. old junky proteins in cells, rather than um, expending the energy to make new cells, which the body can do and does do when we're fasting, there's also a process called autophagy that when we're in a fasted state, the body goes in and digs out the old junky proteins, refurbishes everything, shines it up like new, like getting your car detailed. And um, that is called autophagy. And that happens when we're fasting. So there's this repair. And then as you say, the nourishment and the, the being mindful of the balance of protein, fat mm -hmm. and, and uh, carbohydrates is this beautiful flow of repair and building and repair and building. And yeah. really, it does speak to the circadian rhythms that, you know, yes, the natural rhythm right. of the body that's, uh, and, you know, in the winter time, we're all supposed to be settling down for bed when it goes dark, aren't we? Not, not sitting down to a hearty meal. <laughs> We are. And so having a great sleep hygiene and I set a timer in my clock to dim the lights and electronics off and maybe some soothing music and start moving towards yeah. and then another alarm lights out, Lori. And uh, yeah, food, food provides us with signals as well, doesn't it? You know, it's another signal to be productive. And so, you know, when we're chilling down, trying to get ready for bed, to have a period before, uh, a good period before we want to actually go to sleep without putting fuel inside the body really just kind of makes sense to me anyway. It makes good sense. There's a doctor, Dr. Sachin Panda at the Salk oh, Institute yeah. in California. Yeah. He's okay. really an expert in those circadian mm. rhythms, which is so inspiring. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. So tell tell me about your book because uh, oh, I know I that, yeah, you've, you've written a book. I I was so inspired to write a workbook because there are great books about intermittent fasting. Delay Don't Deny by Jen Stevens and The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung, The Fast Five by Bert Herring. There's, you, there's a lot of information and inspiration. Mm -hmm. But I found in my early days, because I've been intermittent fasting for four and a half years now, that, and I've, um, is that I would get to the end of the book and think, well, now what are people supposed to do? You get to the end, it's like, now what? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to fill in that. And I know that people don't have a lot of time or interest to absorb pages and pages about mm -hmm. insulin. So I wrote a short workbook. It's called Celebrating Your Vibrant Future. It's on Amazon and you can get it in all parts of the world. And um, so the, the subtitle, so it's Celebrating Your Vibrant Future, Intermittent Fasting for Women, 44 yeah. to Forever. And so it starts out with this section. Well, it starts out with a sentence. This book is a hug because I really wanted women to feel like you are not alone. We can talk about perimenopause. We can talk about menopause. These things mm -hmm. are happening to our body. And mm -hmm. let's at least embrace this and embrace each other and learn how to work with our body. And as you said, you know, some of the things we've done in the past are now catching up with us. And it's such an important 
special time to take the very best care of ourselves. So it starts with the fast foundation, which is learning about intermittent fasting and how it works, short uh, descriptions of the physiological aspects, as well as how to talk to others and busting the myths and how to start. And then there are 90 days of logs, of tracking and keeping track of when you fasted and how you felt and what you ate and where you ate, you know, did you eat in the car at the computer standing at the fridge? Where <laughs> did you sit at a table and enjoy your food? And then the final section of the book, it, the workbook is um, fast forever. So fast foundation, fast forward and fast forever. Oh, and I, I loved writing it. it it's, um, it feels like a gift and it's very well received. And I'm, I love making a difference in this way. Well, you know, on that, we can absolutely agree. It, you know, it's so wonderful to be given the opportunity to enter into people's uh, lives and to share information that, that we think may just be helpful for them. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming along and sharing your experience and your expertise today. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. It's been wonderful to meet you and to have a chat. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll do this again. I love doing it again. It's always fun to come back and, and see someone who I've already met and share again. And people may write questions to you that mm -hmm. I would love the opportunity to discuss more. And here, you know, if someone's like, okay, I'm going to try it. It's really important to try it for a month, everybody, because oh. your body is going through the adjustment phase. And keep your eyes off the scale. The scale does not tell you anything about how you're feeling. And mm -hmm. The body is adjusting. So do it for four weeks. See how you feel. Don't get on the scale. And, you know, if you have questions, I'd love to come back and chat more. It'd be really fun. Okay. Thank you. It's a Thank joy. You. Thank you. Take care now. Bye. Bye.